0: welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor immanuel iren lead pastor of celebration church international it is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith ready set grow all right so to the major teaching of the day first corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 i want to move as fast as possible. Did I say First Corinthians? Maybe because I taught on tongues. 1 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4. From verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Can you say seducing spirits and doctrines of devils? You know, now, what is the seducing spirit? Those of you who watched um, Nollywood growing up, you've seen all those movies where a pastor will be going about his ministerial duties, and one lady, usually a beautiful lady, usually a light-skinned lady, will come and start doing like this, you know? And you say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You seductive spirit, I bind you. Many times when people read stuff like that, what comes to your mind is sexual seduction but that's not what he's talking about. The Greek word translated seducing is a Greek word called planos. P L A N O S. And planos means impostor or imitation. When someone opens a fake account on Instagram and is pretending to be you that's an impostor. And so a seducing spirit is an impostor spirit, a spirit that pretends to be of God and is not of God. There are many people who have churches and are running them on impostor spirits, not the spirit of God. They prophesy, but with a wrong influence. They went somewhere to one river, they did some things, washed their eyes. They are star gazers, but they are in church. They have titles also. Seducing spirit. Let me tell you something. The devil is not always as obvious as people think. He won't come to you wearing red and with a conspicuous horn saying, Hey, I'm devil, run away. <laughs> like in Genesis chapter 3, he will come as someone on your side giving you good advice. Ah, ah, you are missing, no? You have not eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It looked like good advice. The Bible says, for even the devil presents himself as an angel of light. He won't present himself as dark. As an angel of light, as someone on your side, seducing spirits. And that's why he said, even many people in church will be deceived. They will depart from the faith and give heed. Because for some of them, they didn't tell that there was a difference. They didn't know that this spirit was not of God. Especially if you you are someone who is always curious, ready to experiment. You hear there's a program here, you go there. You hear there's a man of God here, you go there. Always moving from place to place. You are are likely to fall to this trap. Curiosity. At some point, you are going to have to learn to settle in the place that God has blessed. The place that God has led you to. With the man of God that God has led you to. Stay there. They will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. They left the faith for it. The spirit has warned expressly that this will happen. So, something you must know about the devil is this. He tries to imitate everything that God is doing. He tries to imitate it. That's why he's called Antichrist. Mind you, the Antichrist will not be conspicuously against Christ. He will imitate Christ. He will perverse the message of Christ. He will be a counterfeit Christ. So there are many people who have come on the earth and said, I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ you've been waiting for. That's antichrist. It will not necessarily be someone outlandishly against the church. It will be someone who even has a church. Are you listening to me? This is very important. And there are many examples of Christian practices that have a negative parallel. Just imagine... The Bible tells us that a woman who had familiar spirits saw the disciples and prophesied. These men bring you words of eternal life. Was the prophecy not accurate? No. Uh-huh. But listen, the spirit was a familiar spirit, an impostor spirit. In the kingdom, the end does not justify the means. so. The source is important. The fact that what you prophesied is accurate is not enough for me to believe you. Are you learning this? This is for your safety. This is a teaching on discernment. She didn't say anything wrong. Everything she said was right. Yet, the apostle looked at her and said, you foul devil. Come out of her. So it is not until the prophecy you give is negative that we stand against it. You can be doing everything right. If it is with the wrong spirit, you are still wrong. And we won't tolerate that. Say loud amen. Don't think that a herbalist will always dress like one. Some will hold a microphone, stand on a pew, have an altar, and preach. So it will take discernment because discernment in the last days will not be understanding the difference between black and white that one doesn't take much discernment, it's obvious discernment is understanding the difference between white and grey it will be close it will be similar sometimes when people are saying this man is not of God you'll be saying "Ah, uh, well he's nice now he does charity he does this when you speak about things like that, church people will rebuke you what is your own, some will even say you are jealous Come on, are you with me? Because it is the difference not between white and black, but between white and what? Grey. It will look similar. So don't think that false teaching will be totally false. They will tell 10 truths and add one lie, one fundamental lie. So false ministries will be getting many things right. And then one fundamental error will be there. But because of the many things that they are getting right, you'll be less disposed to standing against or refuting what they stand for. After all, see the good work they are doing. Just imagine you ask for a glass of water and the water is pure. Maybe any good, reputable, um, table, edible water brand that you know. Portable water brand. And they put it in a glass cup and they just add one drop Just one drop. One drop of Escrita. Are you going to drink it? But listen, the water is mostly clean. It's mostly clean. Why won't you drink it? Because one drop is enough to corrupt the whole thing. A little leaven living at the what? Uh That's, That's the understanding that you must have. If the source is wrong, the source is wrong. If the motivation is wrong, the motivation is wrong. Amen, someone. But that's not where I'm going today, even though that's an important lesson. You see, the point I'm making is, the devil has imitated many things that the the Lord does. I remember years ago, um, my father's finances took a huge financial hit, We, I grew up in a very, very comfortable home, and that's putting it mildly. My dad was actually doing well financially early, had three companies of his own and all of that. But he took a major financial hit, and all of a sudden, we had to leave the highbrow area where we were living in, in Lagos and to go to a place, a more remote area called Bay in Lagos. And Bay, some parts of it are still relatively remote now. But now I'm talking about 1998. You can imagine what it looked like then. (laughs) What I'm saying will be hard for you to picture, but it was so serious that there was what you might call bigger than a bush, almost a forest, just adjacent to our house. And in the cool of the day, just like Eden, we'll come like this, sit on the fence. The fence was a draft fence. We couldn't even build it up initially. Sit on the fence and see monkeys jumping from tree to tree. I said, wow, I'm Tarzan. (laughs) There was nothing we didn't kill in that house. Snake, scorpion, talatuna spider. You know talatuna spider? There's nothing we didn't kill in that house. Snake at least four times. (laughs) And it wasn't as if they were intruding our space. We were intruding their space. (laughs) We were in the forest. (laughs) But that was not the most intriguing thing about, you know, that period in our lives. For the first time in my life, I was walking, you know, on the street one day, coming back from school, and I saw sacrifice. Someone had raised an altar there. And when you hear about altars, what comes to your mind many times is something that the devil does, you know, calabash and all those fetish. That's when I began to hear about things like T-junction, because accidentally, what. You might have called it architecturally a centerpiece property. But it was de junction <laughs> So right where, in front of where our house was, you would see sacrifice almost every week. Wow. So many stories and so many strange things that were happening in that place. Story for another day. But when you hear about altar, it, you're talking about something that the devil copied. This is planus at work. An imposter spirit at work. Because when you are reading the book of Genesis chapter 4. The Bible says that Abel and Cain raised an altar to the Lord. Isn't that true? A physical platform on which they offered sacrifice to the Lord. Noah did the same thing also. After the flood. He raised an altar to the Lord. And the Bible says from the altar was a sweet-smelling savor. That's very important. We'll talk about it soon. Abraham did the same thing as well. He used that altar to commemorate a supernatural encounter. So God spoke to him in Genesis chapter 12. He says, this land I will give to your children. And he raised an altar, sacrifice to the Lord. So this was a biblical practice. Now, the title of my charge or my or of my teaching is understanding spiritual altars. I know this is a kind of topic you don't expect, you know, that you wouldn't usually hear maybe a theologian teacher. But this is very important, I tell you. What did I call the title? What were altars for? Number one, for worship. What did I say? Please, can you say that louder? Altars are for what? It will interest you to know that the first time worship was used in the Bible, it was used to describe sacrifice on an altar. Not music. Not music. So, God had spoken... To Abraham to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. And so he went with Isaac and a few um, um, servants. And in Genesis chapter 22 verse 5. Abraham told the servants. He said stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder to worship. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder to worship. And by worship he meant offering sacrifice. That's very important. All right another text that you know very well in John chapter 4 the Samaritan woman asked Jesus when she descended, he was a prophet he says, where is the place to worship? you Jews say Jerusalem is the place to worship, but our fathers worshipped on this mountain, where is the place to worship? what she was talking about was not singing was not music, she was asking where is the place to offer sacrifices, because the Jews had a temple in Jerusalem And in that temple, there was an altar on which they offered sacrifices annually. But the Samaritans believed that the sacrifice was supposed to be on the mountain. Story for another day. You know, so he says, where is the place to worship? So by worship, what was meant by was sacrifice. You know, a lot of people think that just because they sing a nice song, they are worshiping. They don't know what worship is. You need to study the biblical history and the etymology of that word. Just because you sing a nice song doesn't mean you are worshipping. Worship is not a song you sing. It's a life that you live. Come on, are you with me? It's not a song that you sing. It's a life that you live. If your mouth is saying what your life is not saying, that's not worship. So what is worship? Worship worship is anything that demonstrates your devotion to the Lord worship is anything that does what demonstrates your devotion to the Lord so singing can demonstrate your devotion to the Lord but it is not limited to singing you can demonstrate your devotion to the Lord through obedience see let me tell you something if you like sing from now till tomorrow if there are things that God has asked you to do and you have not done, that's not worship. You can't be in unforgiveness. You can't be unforgiving and be worshiping. And that's why Jesus said, if you come to the altar and remember that someone has fought against you. He says, drop your sacrifice first. First go and make peace. These are the rules of worship. It's not an activity. It's first and foremost the position of your heart. Aligning your heart to the word of God. It says drop that sacrifice. Otherwise it's a waste of time. Go and make peace first. Because worship is bigger than what you do. It is who you are. Some people have mastered systematic hypocrisy. You are living in disobedience. But you still go to church regularly. Lift up holy hands. But God says, forgive that person that offended you and you refused. That's not worship. There are things that you do that make your singing null and void. And God looks at you and observes and says, these people draw nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are what? So you worship with obedience. You can worship with generosity. You give. Not just because you're nice, but because you honor the Lord. That's why the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance. Now, that's worship. But I said that to say this, for the context of the teaching today, worship referred to sacrifice. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke hypertension. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke hypertension. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke hypertension. Listen, there is nothing that God cannot do. So right now, let the power of Jesus rest on you right now. Right now. Right now. I don't care how long you've been trusting. This is the day you receive the miracle. In the mighty name of Jesus. And so right now, all the symptoms die all the symptoms die. Not just high blood pressure, but someone else, low blood pressure. All the symptoms die. In the mighty name of Jesus. All right, we'll just wrap this up as fast as I can. So, altars were for worship number two. And by the way, you know that altars for worship have been imitated also. Some satanic people rare altars to carry out negative worship to honor people beyond that are not the Lord so how is it that we see the history of altars from Abel to Noah to Abraham then suddenly the children of Israel learn a different form of worship in Egypt and because Moses was on the mountain for longer than they anticipated they built you know Um, a golden calf and began to worship it. How did they learn that? An imitator was at work. Planos, imposter spirits. Because the devil always wants what belongs to God. Worship belongs to God so he's going to raise up counterfeit altars for unsuspecting people to give the very adulations that belong to God to the devil. Number two, altars are to enact a covenant. Enact is spelled E-N-A-C-T. To enact a covenant. So in Genesis chapter 12 verse 7 and 8, in Genesis chapter 12 verse 7 and 8, God appeared to Abraham, the Bible says, and gave him a promise and how did Abraham respond? He built an altar. He built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. So he built it to commemorate that supernatural encounter. And that also has been imitated. Some people build altars to enact covenants with Satan. Number three, altars are to invoke supernatural manifestations. And this is my real emphasis today to invoke supernatural manifestations. So, even if it is for worship, even if it was to enact covenants, there was an understanding that it was meant to invoke supernatural manifestations. And that's why Elijah could start a supernatural competition and say, Well, we know that you guys have copied us, you have started rearing altars. Let us build altars. You, prophets of Baal, come and raise your own altar. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. Because just because you have an altar doesn't mean you know what you are doing. There is a greater manifestation on the true altar. Come on, are you with me? Uh So, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Because true altars are meant to invoke supernatural manifestations. Something very interesting in Bible history. When Abraham raised that altar, Abraham had a son named who? Isaac, right? Come on now. Why are you people doing like this? Don't fall, man. He had a son named who? Isaac had two sons named who and who? All right, good. Now, Jacob was on a voyage. What he thought was an accidental voyage. He found himself in a place interestingly and by divine coincidence in the very place his grandfather Abraham had raised an altar years ago but because time had passed there was very little left of the altar the altar had become just mere stones on the floor and then by providence Jacob was tired and wanted to sleep he placed his head to sleep then in the dream of the night he saw that that place was not ordinary, but that there was a ladder from the heaven, touching that very place, and angels ascending and descending from that place. Alas, he woke up and said, "God was in this place, and I knew it not, because that's what altars are for." So it now it turns out from that story, we know that not all places are ordinary. Come on, are you with me? When you read, especially in the Old Testament, you know that God paid emphasis to places. To places. Think about it. Why the entire debate between Moses and Pharaoh? If Moses had said, give us a land in Egypt to build a temple, let the people worship there, maybe Pharaoh would not have fought. Come on, are you with me? What made Pharaoh react is that God was saying, let my people go. So this type of worship that God wanted was not to be done in Egypt. God was particular about where? Come on, are you with me? So I don't want the worship in Egypt. Let them go to a place that I will show them so that they can worship me. God was particular about where? You see, it is the presence of God invoked that makes a place special. Even if it was not special before, if the presence of God has manifested there, it becomes special. It becomes special. Anything that God rests on is holy. So Moses is on a mountain just going about his business as a shepherd. He sees a burning bush, he comes closer and a a voice from the burning bush. Remove your shoes because the place you are standing on is holy. What made the place holy? Some people think that holiness is a moral excellence. But listen, a mountain cannot be morally excellent. So what made it holy was that the presence of God was on it. Because the presence of God was on it, that place became sacred. That place became special. And that's the real meaning of holiness. Sacredness sacredness it doesn't matter let me tell you something even if jesus is born in a manger that manger becomes sacred i'm teaching you spiritual understanding because if you judge only by your eyes you will despise the leadings of the lord if god tells you go and wash in the jordan if you like say no that jordan is not fresh it's so dirty go and wash in swimming pool see if anything will happen because sometimes the place matters. Are you with me? Uh-huh. So of all the places, because there was no room um, in all the hotels, Jesus was born in a manger. Mangers, I'm sure you don't need word of knowledge to know, mangers don't smell nice. They don't smell nice, but God was there. They don't look nice, but God was there. And listen, these wise men from the East, they were Igbo guys. I'm joking. I'm joking. They were not Igbo guys. You know, these wise men from the East, Came into that place. These were influential men. They likely wore nice clothes. They had gold. They were men of means. They came with gold to a manger. They didn't bother about the smell. This is this is supernatural understanding. Some of you are too canal. You size people up from your normal optical lenses. You must learn to look beyond the environment to see God is in this place. And I knew it not. Come on, are you with me? Uh-huh. So God can be upon someone and you don't know it. Anyway, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So imagine the wise men entering that place, not bothering about their clothes, their nice fancy clothes. Listen, let me tell you, in a manger, are you aware that there will be a in different places? They didn't care. The Bible says they fell to the ground and worshipped. So spiritual sacredness has nothing to do with external evidence. Once in a while, once upon a time, we judge men after the flesh. But henceforth, see, we know man after the flesh. We must see through the lens of the Spirit. So if God says there is someone in David's house who will be king, don't look at earlier but look at his external build. God looks at the heart. Men look on the outward appearance. So when you are looking for the manifestation of the spirits, let me tell you something. I know what it means to have an excellent church. I, I like to do things well naturally. It's not because our church is sicker sensitive. Personally, I like my house to look good. I like to dress good. And so our church looks good. But there is a generation that only responds to churches that have what they call excellence. Is wrong. If the power of God is manifesting under a tree, go there. If the true gospel is being preached there, go there and stay there. That's why, by the grace of God, God has given us a very large ministry. We have 6,000 members, but with due respect, I look at the people who had always been there different. The people who were there when we didn't have good equipment. The people who were there, you know, because now everybody says we believe, we believe in this ministry. I don't doubt you, but we'll never really know. The people who were there, there was a time in Abuja Church, the AC was not working for 2 months. We will be sweating like this. And we're using a cinema so no windows. The power of God will move. The attendance did not reduce. Nobody left. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, are you with me? You must look beyond the environment. Look beyond the environment. See at a command de Understanding spiritual what? Come on, understanding spiritual what? So Jacob woke up and said, God was in this place and I knew it not. So in John chapter 4 that we quoted earlier, that woman knew that places are not ordinary. You can't just go to your backyard and offer sacrifice there. You are doing it for yourself. So she asked a very important question. Where is the place to worship? Because the where is important. Come on, are you with me? Uh The where is is just like agriculture. Don't put a seed on the table and expect it to grow. Where you put it matters. So where? Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Just imagine, and this is why knowledge of the where is important. Just imagine, the person you thought your fathers had been sacrificing to is talking to you. Sacrifice in those days took a lot of money because to buy lamb is not cheap. To buy ram is not cheap. Come on, are you with me? And our forefathers had been sacrificing on this mountain and Jesus said, you worship, you know not what. Meaning you people just wasted your time. He said, Jerusalem is the place to worship. Uh, Are you with me? Every year, they had been slaughtering sacrifice that God did not honor given the sacrifice of Cain for, for yourself. Because when it comes to altars, you must do it according to divine order. Come on, are you with me? So, two things to know about altars. Number one, the place matters, right? At least in the Old Testament, the place matters. And number two, Literal altars are now obsolete, meaning we don't do that anymore. Literal altars are now obsolete. So just in case you've been wondering, why don't we bring lambs to church like in the olden days and just slaughter lambs, you know? Maybe in case you've been wondering, because a lot of people don't understand the Old Testament and and the New Testament. They don't understand the difference. They think the only difference is that white blank page in your Bible that separates them. But there's a huge difference. So now Jesus said, Jerusalem is the place to worship. But he didn't stop there. He says, the hour is coming. Oh my God. Are you with me, please? So Jerusalem is the place to worship, but even that has changed. The hour is coming and now is, when the true worshippers, say true worshippers, You know, we use this phrase to talk about worship music. You know, when you want to have worship concerts, you know, say true worship. You know, I I worship God sincerely from your heart. That's not true worship. He was making a contradiction or contradistinction between raising a physical altar and altars as we know it now. He says the true worshipers shall worship the Father, not in Jerusalem, not on this mountain, but in the spirits. So, where is this worship in the Spirit? I will explain it to you. The worship in the Spirit. is understanding that all those things in the Old Testament were just a symbol of what Christ will do. They were not the real thing. Put up Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 very quickly. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. He says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. Can you say a shadow? For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image can never with those sacrifices offered year by year continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. So he's talking about altars and he says the altars in the Old Testament were a shadow. They were not the real thing. So as powerful as they were, they were just a shadow. And that's why he says through worship, not because the other worship was false, but because it was just a type, a shadow. So, I started building technology and we did some courses with architecture. When you have a building plan, sometimes you make a model. Have you seen a toy house before? Now, the house looks exactly like the real house you are going to build. Isn't that true? It is just smaller. But that's not the true house. Are you with me? You just did that model. So that the client will know what the true house will look like. That's what the altars in the Old Testament were meant to represent. To let you know what a true altar is. So they had temples, but there was a true temple. So now, when you are reading Acts chapter 6. And Stephen is about to be executed. When you follow the story. To your surprise, Stephen says, Solomon built God a house, but God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Isn't that surprising? So that means the temples they in the old, built in the Old Testament, God never dwelt there. Are you with me? God never dwelt there. They were just a type. Also, the altars that they built in the Old Testament That wasn't the true altar. It was just a type. The real temples are in the spirits. Spiritual temples, not made with hands. I will tell you what the temple is. Some of you know already. The real altar is a spiritual altar. Oh my God. Oh my God. Turn your Bibles, First Peter. Quickly, quickly, quickly. First Peter, chapter one. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's look at the last two verses of Ephesians two first. look at Ephesians 2, we'll read verse 21 and 22. Listen, what I'm teaching on you is going to change your life. Did you hear what I said? It's going to change your life. Everybody read verse 21 together. One, two, go. Come on, read louder than that. One, two, go. Verse 22, one, two, go in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now he's saying, all the buildings that Solomon built, that was just a type. You are the real building. You are the real temple. God did not want to dwell in temples made with hands, and he never dwelt there. So they only built that temple to show you what your body will be like. And so he says, you are built together. This is what the church is. Individually and corporately, we are the temple of God, the house of God. Not the building where we hold service, but you. Ah, my God. He says, are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So listen, does the Spirit of God dwell in you? He tells you that that makes you a temple. That makes you a temple. Say, the Spirit of God dwells in me. Say, that makes me a temple. So, you are a sacred place. You are a sacred place. Let me tell you something. You must now begin to see yourself sacred. Don't see anybody that has the Spirit of God as a common person. You are not common. Listen, what I'm telling you will change your life. So, start recognizing yourself as an anointed person. You know, a lot of people go quickly to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, man being Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And you know that and you say that about yourself. But they miss verse 16. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 as fast as possible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Everybody read together. I want to go wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh yea, though we had known Christ after the flesh yet henceforth know we him no more so you begin to recognize people who have the Holy Spirit as sacred you don't know anybody after the flesh you know them according to the measure of grace on them come on are you with me if the spirit of God dwells in them treat them as temples treat them as temples It matters how you treat God's people. When Jesus appeared to Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say you are persecuting my church. He says you are persecuting me. God takes it personal. How you treat his temples. Say I'm the house of God. So now, the real house of God is not a building, it's people. What I'm teaching you is how to birth a revival anywhere. Because now, the move of God is the move of people. Did you hear what I said? The move of God is what? So, Jacob said, God was in this place and I knew it not. Now, we will not say that about a place but about people. Because anywhere that I go, God is there. Anywhere that I am, God is there. The New Testament temples are mobile, mobile, mobile. You don't have to travel to Jerusalem. Jerusalem can travel to you. Jerusalem can come to your house. Jerusalem can knock on your door. Listen, and you have to recognize it. This is this is a man of God. This is a woman. And listen, and that's why we started by helping you see that the New Testament church must seek common power. Not just for pastors. You must recognize the person by your side. As long as that person is with the Holy Ghost, you must see that... You know, some, some of us, we only listen to a prophetic word by pastors. And I know that some people can get it wrong. I'm not asking you to, look to look, listen to every Tom Dick, and Harry. But at the same time, oh my God, until you recognize that God can use the person by your side there are some manifestations that will be lost in the church. Are you with me? New Testament temples are people. New Testament altars are people. I am the temple of God. I am the altar of God. I am a sacrifice unto God. Spiritual altars are people. Come on, are you with me? The same way Jacob encountered a place that looked ordinary, but it was not. You may look ordinary. When people encounter you, they must discover that you are not. They must. Listen, it's a mentality I'm building in you. You are not ordinary. And you must carry yourself like a temple. You must walk like a temple. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. In my final year, I had a roommate, Danely Sibo <laughs> One day, he said, "I want to. I want to talk to you." He had drawn a chair. He said, "Please sit. I want to talk to you. I want to ask you some questions." He said every night I notice some strange things in this room. He said, I see some things like white moving fast. He said, are those angels? <laughs> I said, well, I think I know what you're saying. Yes, they are angels. He said, when you were praying that day, the room the atmosphere in the room changed. He said, is that how you feel all the time? I said, as often as I'm conscious of it, yes. So now, my roommate began to engage me by some observations he had made. Because he had seen some strange things. Just by staying with me one year, after a while, he became so used to it. There was a time (laughs) I don't say this often. There was a time I had an encounter. So, Angels were around, he tapped me. He said, Your people are here. He, 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 he saw them. <laughs> but, but, it only took months. He got used to it. Say, your people are here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah ah. Because if you put the ark of God beside Dagon, something must happen now. There's a gospel artist in this country. He stayed with me for a while. And then he woke up on... <laughs> there was a the time we had to stay on the same bed. And me, I walk hard and I sleep hard. So when I sleep, I'm one of those, I'm better now. But that time I used to... Jackie Chan. You know all those people that you wake up, their leg is here, their hand is here. That's me. I have no apology for it. <laughs> I used to be sad about it until I realized that Jesus too... Jesus was in a boat that was sinking. Do you know what that means? For a boat to sink, that means water was entering the boats. The water must have been touching him. He didn't wake up. That's why I now realize, ah, the more spiritual you are. Wait now. He said he gives his beloved what? So, if you're not really sleeping deep, there's a dimension of love. So I was just sleeping. I was just sleeping. My own. I would roll, hit him. He said, "When I hit him, jolt of electricity will go through his body. He will wake up. He will look at me. I'm sleeping. He will sleep back. I will roll again, roll again, hit him. Power. You know. He said it happened four times, about three or four times. And I was just sleeping. I'm not telling you so that you say, "Ha, this man of God. I'm telling you about yourself, 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 yourself. So, So, if you don't get conscious of it, you won't begin to see it at work in your life. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Everybody read together, one, two, go. he said I beseech you I beg you what I'm saying is important you see let me tell you something every African parent knows that sometimes you just put your foot on the ground and say you must not do this but there are sometimes you sit a child down when it's something important and say what I'm telling you is for your own good and you make an appeal even if you are in a position of authority You would usually do this when what you're talking about is important. He said, I beseech you, I beg you. In view of the message of God. If you've understood the message of God that I explained yesterday. You've understood the message of grace. This is how you should live. This is how you should think. This is how you should walk. I beseech you by the message of God. Present your bodies. This is a consciousness. This is how you should treat your body. This is how you should see your body. Set your bodies, living sacrifice. Ah, oh my God. So in those days, the sacrifices were dead. You put the lamb on the altar and slaughter it. But today, the sacrifice is alive. So you live your life as though you are dead. That's what a living sacrifice is. That phrase is an oxymoron. Because sacrifices are usually dead. But he calls you a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So you walk as one who is dead. Dead to sin. Dead to the world. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Living sacrifice. So I'm conscious. I am the temple of God. When I sit on a well and see the Samaritan woman, I recognize every opportunity as the gift of God. So, see, listen, listen. I said... In every temple, the presence of God is invoked, right? So, God is transcendent. He's in heaven. You know, He's so far away. Some people are wondering, where is God? But in the Old Testament, there were altars that served as portals. A ladder from heaven touched them. So now, spiritual things could be accessed through those altars. Such that even if, like Jacob, you didn't know, you were just sleeping, you would see a ladder from heaven touching the earth. Now, he says, you are, you are, you are an altar. Come on, are you with me? You are. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I almost forgot to show you this. Open your Bibles, John chapter 1. This is very good. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Bele coria I'll read to text John chapter 1 verse 51 and then we'll read 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. John chapter 1 verse 51. This is Jesus talking and see if what he's saying brings anything to your mind. Jesus said, and he said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending did he say on a ladder who did he say so listen in the vision of Jacob that ladder represented Christ it is Christ that has become our bridge to the supernatural as long as you have Christ in you listen heaven and earth unite in your hearts He has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. All the resources. Listen, because of you, because of your presence, heaven is not far away. Oh my God. People might have been looking for you because you are there. Heaven is not far away. Because there is a ladder from heaven straight to your heart. Because Christ is in your heart. Say loud amen. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. This is a mentality you should have. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, you also as lively stones. So in the Old Testament, you know, they raised up literal altars. They put stone upon stone to build a platform on which sacrifices can be made. But now, it says you are lively stones. He's describing you as an altar. Those stones were not were inanimate in the Old Testament. But the New Testament altars are alive. Your body is an altar. So he calls you a lively stone. Come on, are you with me? He says, built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer what? Meaning from your life, there must be incense. The Bible tells us in Revelations 5 that angels carried incense, which was the prayer of the saints. Just the same way sacrifices, you know, were offered and from Noah's sacrifice, The Bible says, God smelled a sweet-smelling savour. There must be a savour coming from you every day. If I see a man who prays, I know it. I can't explain it. They just look different. They just look different. They ooze something. Ooze. Ooze. When the Bible calls prayer incense, I know what it means. The first time I experienced this, I I was supposed to have a meeting with a lady in school. I just saw her as we were walking, going to the place where we were supposed to have the meeting. She was just walking and she sighed. I know that sigh. There is a sigh. The same way there is physical satisfaction. There is a sigh of a person full of the Spirit. I said, ah, you have been praying. She said, yes. There is a sigh. Oh my God. I wish you would know what I'm talking about from today try it, try it try. spend time, I'm not talking about one minute, two minutes cook yourself you are a temple, you are sacred people must come to you and the proximity must impact them, come on are you with me the proximity even if they were casual like Jacob just playing, you know, they will see visions they will see visions I receive a mail every day. Someone dreams about me every day. I tell you the truth in Christ and I lie not. Every day. Countries I have not been to. People have been healed through dreams many times. A lady said in a a dream, she was going to her kitchen. As she opened the fridge and closed it, she saw me. I said, kneel down. And she knelt in a dream. I laid hands on her and said... Ulsa, go. And she woke up, and Ulsa was healed. Another one said, This is someone I'd, I'd not I, okay. I'd, I'd only seen that one once, but he's not a member of our church. He's from a very fetish background. And in a dream, he was in a service, even though he doesn't attend our church, and I was preaching. No, 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 no. That's that's I'm mixing it up many. So this one I came to his room. And I pointed at him and prayed, and he vomited an idol. So, demons expelled from people, all of this starts by you just beginning to consider I'm, I'm not ordinary. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Once upon a time, I descend people after the flesh, but no more. Beginning from myself, I refuse to descend myself after the flesh. I am not ordinary. Come on. It says, this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick. He didn't say, he wasn't talking about prayer. Even if it is an accidental touch, that someone, you know, we are going and someone with the issue of blood just touches you. Something will happen. Ah! Do you understand what I'm saying? You will feel something leave because you're an altar. You turn around and say, ah, some, some, something left me. And everybody's like, Everybody is touching you physically. What do you mean? Uh -uh. There is a different type of touch. How does God cause a revival in places? By awakening people to the consciousness of their sacredness. When you start walking in the consciousness that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that you are an altar that you are God's avenue for reaching out to people it will change your life it will change the life of people around you it has nothing to do with age you know I prove this all the time you know if you have a key to a door and you put in the key the door will not say how old are you if you have the key you have the key so then as an undergraduate, sometimes parents of students will come and look for me so that I can pray for them because it has nothing to do with age. I look young now. Imagine what I looked like in 2010. <laughs> Hallelujah. An altar is an altar. You may not look like it, but as long as the Spirit of God dwells in you, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and it must show. You know, I to- tell people, do you know how you will be raptured? I'm asking you a question, do you know how? It says, if the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwells in you. So, meaning, the power of the Holy Ghost inside you is so strong that even when you die, it doesn't matter how long you have been dead, when Christ comes, that power inside you will raise you back to life. So if the power that is inside you is strong enough to raise you back to life, even if you have been dead 100 years, how come there's no evidence in your life now you have not healed a dick? Because you don't know, you don't know. You don't know. At the trump of God. See, the technology for your resurrection is inside you. That Holy Spirit, you, you will jack back to life. Is voice activated. The same way you use a remote, you press it and the TV responds. The trump of God will activate something inside you. So now the question is, are you going to allow that thing to be dormant Till Christ comes. So God will not just have me pray for the sick so that you receive a healing. That's not New Testament. He sent me here to make a healer out of you. Because he didn't say this sign shall follow pastors, they shall lay hands on the sick. He says this sign shall follow them that believe. So as I pray for you, you will learn to pray for others. You see, start practicing it. And never give up. Never give up. Never give up. You know what? Um, You know, years ago, I told one man of God, I said, I see miracles, but not as often as I want. There is no type of miracle I've not seen. No type. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen blind eye open, deaf ear open, deaf ear plenty. types hallelujah you know there was a time in school someone was standing you know with a, with a walking stick I wasn't even praying for him I was praying for someone in front of him I stretched my hand to the person he at the back fell down and his, the pain in the leg disappeared come on are you with me so I've seen that since but now so I was asking the person I said how can I see this more regularly I want to see this all the time he said keep at it he said, never, ever give up. Keep at it. There was a time, out of 10 people, I will pray, one will be healed, or maybe half. Because the healing will not be complete. After a while, I moved to two. To three. So now, the percentage is increasing. I will keep at it. Are you, are you listening to me? Keep at it. So even I, your pastor, eh, I'm still contending. And this is how I'm contending. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm growing in the consciousness of this. I'm growing in the consciousness. You know, I spend time praying. You know, oozing out these graces. Oozing out these graces. Oozing out these people who have followed me from years know that the me of today is not the me five years ago. In fact, every 12 months, the grace change must increase. It must be tangible. Tangible. Because I expect it. Come on, are you with me? From today, expect it. So right there on your seat, you know, if I ask you to stand up and pray, you're already used to praying religiously. So right there on your seat, just be conscious of the presence of God. The same way Jacob said, God was in this place and I knew it not. God is inside you. Do you know it? So, just acknowledge it. Ah, so it turns out I am more powerful than I realized. No wonder Paul says, unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. Meaning, my mind cannot even grab how powerful I am. My mind cannot even grasp how powerful I am. Because what is inside me exceeds abundantly what I can even think. I am more powerful than I have imagined. More powerful than I have imagined. Let a revival break forth in this meeting, in this city from this meeting. As men taking their positions... As temples of God. As the move of God in this city. The move of God in this city. The move of God in this city. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7,000 Blessings